this is Bob Q, artist of James Bond Origin, and you're listening to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. You're listening to Rogue Agents, episode 26, featuring The Man from Uncle, season one, episode three. Welcome to the 26th episode of Rogue Agents Podcast, a part of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast channel brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I am your host, Agent Pat, codenamed DJ Christatos, and joining me as co-host is Alan J. Porter, codename Tex. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing good, Pat. Good to be back. Good to be talking about our favorite TV secret yes. agents. Yeah. I'm so excited that we got to you know do another episode of this. I was yeah. really looking forward to seeing the progression of this. Alan, but tell me what's the most bondiest thing you've done since we've last recorded? Of course, watched on a Majesty's Secret Service on Christmas Day because you have to. Yeah. Which one would should do and yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I always gotta know how Christmas trees are made. Yeah. And then do you follow that up with Christmas, you know, coming toys? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't get that reference. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, somebody out there may get that. Maybe not. I don't know. Depends. We'll see if it makes it in the editing or not. All right. Well, let's go ahead and on to our next agent. And that is Jared Ulbrich, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Well, hello, Pat. Hello. I done anything terribly James Bondy? I got my brother a very James Bondy Christmas present, but he can talk about that when we get to him, uh, if he likes. Um, other than that, I've been just did laying you get low. Any, did hmm? you get any Bond-related Christmas presents? I did. You know what? There you there go, you Pat. Go. Thanks for bailing me out. In fact, we played it today. Jason got me the Spectra board game, where you try to be Spectra agents. Oh, interesting. Try to become number one Spectra guy. It is a complicated game and hard to learn, <laughs> but I think we've worked the bugs out of it. I think I understand it better now, but it's pretty neat. It's got a really cool concept. That, that is the concept. You all you play as different Spectre agents, uh-huh. and you uh, try to become the number one Spectre agent by the end of the game. It's pretty cool. What happens Just a way to get two. a free pussycat. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, in yeah. the mail. They send you I, a white. I, I ended mail. up winning, but I have enough pussy cat, so I yeah. <laughs> don't need another one. Jason did win the initial outing. Oh, of course. But so you were still trying to figure out how to play it. So yeah, we got it. we kind of figured it out by the time we finished it. We're like, oh, we were doing this wrong. We were doing that wrong. But yeah. it's, did I mention it's complicated? Anytime the YouTube how to play video is twenty minutes. <laughs> Who did you play as, Jared? Me? Uh, who did I play as? Uh, let me think. Let's see. You were... Damn, who were you? <laughs> I was Blofeld. Oh, I remember who I was. <laughs> I was Christatos. There you Ooh, go. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I was playing yeah. as Christatos. Yeah, but no heroine. No heroine. <laughs> All right, well, that sounds like fun. Lots of fun. 
Let's go ahead and say hello to our other agent, Delvin the Dark Web Williams. What's up, Pat? How are you? I'm doing good, Delvin. How are you? Uh, what's the bondiest thing you've done? Man, I got nothing. I was thinking about all the bondy stuff, and then I was like, man, could I, well, could I be bailed out with gifts? Because I, I, I got mm-hmm. gifts from literally everyone here on the panel for Christmas, which I'm very grateful for. But none of them were Bond-related, Spider-Man related, comic mm-hmm. book related, but not James Bond related. So I, I got a big fat nothing for this one, other than this podcast that I'm doing right now. This is the saddest Christmas I've ever heard. Yeah, man. Right? You know? Well, you could say this podcast is a gift, you know. This way. podcast is a gift. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Definitely. It's a it's a gift to the Bond community. As we talk about James Bond and James Bond related things. And speaking about James Bond related things, let's find out. Jason, I heard that you got some sort of Bond gift. I did. I did. I got my comic book adaptation of Dr. No that, uh, that Jared so kindly got me for Christmas. And it is awesome. I love it. Good grief. This is becoming like. Like the MTV episode of Cribs when they're like, and this is my poster of Scarface. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's getting a copy of Dr. No. I got a copy of Dr. No. I got me mine. I'm Uh, sensing a trend here. I wonder where that started. All right. Well, maybe you guys are wondering what I got. No, we don't care. What's good? Okay. What's next? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What was the most Bondian thing that you did? Well, I'm not going to say it's Bondian. Well, it's. I guess. I mean, it's what we're going to talk about today. And it's from Jason. I got these cool man from Uncle Books. Oh, that's nice, man. That, that is quite cool. Yes. Yeah. I got that book called The, the Affair of the Gunrunner's Gold. And this one is called The Affair of the Gentle Saboteur. Oh, see, it says Saboteur. When I saw the title, I had to get it for it because I wanted him to say it on a live recording. (laughs) Saboteur. Yes. I can hook you up with that girl from Auntie when you come here next time. Oh, well, I'm glad because that's actually going to be part of the script coming up. So I'm glad you did mention that. (laughs) And actually, speaking about mentioning that, Delvin, that is a good segue into a few things. So, This episode is the 26th episode of our ongoing series on this channel's called MI6 Rogue Agents, where we'll be traversing the 007 universe. That could mean books. That could mean music. It could mean video games. Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here on On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And... As Delvin had mentioned, I'm going to go right into, I have a question for the agents, another question for you. As Delvin had recently, on an episode of 12 Days of Crusademus 2022, Day 9, which featured the Man from Uncle issue number one comic, where you can listen to that on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. Jarrett brought that issue in. And Delvin did mention reading a book called The Girl from Ante. Now, my question for you guys is, what spy TV show was The Girl from Auntie used as the title of an episode? I will give you four choices to choose from. First choice, Archer. Second, The Avengers. Third, Chuck. Or four, The Man from Uncle. We'll go around the horn and we'll go with Jared. You want to take a guess out of those four? I'm going to say Chuck. Okay. One for Chuck. Delvin. One for Jared. Chuck. Feels too Chucky. Two yes. for Chuck? Okay. 
will go to Weasel Skull. My heart was saying Chuck as well, but just to be different, I'll say Archer. Archer, okay. And Alan. Now, I wasn't sure if Alan may know this one or not. So, Okay, can you hear this? Extraordinary crimes against the people and the state have to be avenged by agents extraordinary. Two such people are John Steed, top professional, and his partner, Emma Peel, talented amateur. Otherwise known as the Avengers. So I take it Alan gets it. Knows what it is. <laughs> so uh, check then? Are you for Chuck? <laughs> or Chuck? I was going for Chuck, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change my answer to the Avengers. <laughs> As I was doing a little research for this episode, I ran across that in one of the things that I'm like, the, the girl from Ante, I'm like, wait a minute. That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the original Avengers, season four, episode 17, The Girl from Ante. It aired on June 6th of 1966. Wow. Can you believe that? I believe it. I thought that was really funny, so I wanted to bring it here and see if anybody really gets it. I thought Alan would probably. It's a really fun episode, actually. It's very cool. So what I'm wondering is, like, why were you Googling that, Pat? <laughs> well, no, but I said <laughs> he was, he was expecting a different answer to. <laughs> Did you Google the annual? <laughs> I was doing some. That's how that's pronounced. <laughs> uh, all right. Never mind. With all the fun out of the way, let's go ahead and get into our rogue subject for this episode. And it is The Man from Uncle, Season 1, Episode 3. So, this episode was called The Quadripartite Affair. The original air date was October 6, 1964, starring Robert Vaughn as Napoleon Solo, David McCollum as Ilya Kiriakin, Leo G. Carroll as Alexander Waverly, Jill Ireland as Marion Raven, Anne Francis as Javase Ravel, Richard Anderson as Colonel Patner, later Oscar Goldman on The Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman shows. Oh, that didn't look kind of familiar. Roger Carmel as Million Horth, later seen as Harry Mudd on the original Star Trek series. Ooh. I was going to bring that up and sound cool today. I was hoping uh-huh. to say, oh, that was Harry Mudd from Star Trek. Hey, hey, Pat, Pat. Yes. He was Harry Mudd from Star Trek. Oh. Yeah. Ah, good one, Jerry. Good one. Yeah. Well, well a few Jared. recurring characters. That, anyway. <laughs> John Van Draylen as Harold Bufferton and Robert Carricart as Professor Enver... Caradin. Caradin. <laughs> I'm sure that's got to be right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Pat. Pat. Yes. Jill Ireland is married to Charles Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. She's not. Not, not at this time. <laughs> not at will. this time. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> she's in a bunch of movies with him because they were made. You're spoiling the fun facts. I just, these are the ones I wanted to get out before you got there. <laughs> well, you're, you're ruining Alan's oh. time. Oh, oh it's <laughs> Alan's. I, didn't, I was trying to ruin your time. I'm sorry. Oh, Alan. well, no, no. Sherwood Keith as Dr. Gregory Raven, and this was directed, again, I think, by Richard Donner of Superman and Lethal Weapon, etc. Richard Donner directed Superman and Lethal Weapon. Oh, (laughs) very good catch. I knew the name sound familiar. I just couldn't figure out where it was. Writer was Alan Khalil and Sam Rolfe and was produced by Norman Felton. With that, let's go ahead and get to the plot description provided by Alan. 
Thank you, Pat. So the quadripartite affair. Uncle Agents Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin face a four-cornered conspiracy, hence quadripartite, because that's what it means. The four were comprised of an ambitious woman, Gervais Ravel, her wealthy boyfriend, Harold Bufferton, a disgraced military officer, and a scientist who has devised a chemical that induces fear. Solo and Kuryakin are helped by the daughter, Marion Raven, of a man killed as a result of the conspiracy. And thanks to our good friend, Bill Coney, this is from his excellent Uncle Episode Guide website, which I highly recommend if you want to find out more about the Man From Uncle series. Interesting. I will be checking that out. Well, let's go ahead and find out, is this a first watch or a rewatch? We'll start with, hopefully, the gang that hasn't watched it yet, and then we'll go with Jared. The first watch or rewatch? Yes, to both. Uh, it was a first watch when I yeah. <laughs> watched it a few uh, days ago. And then I rewatched it today. So uh, technically for the show, it's a first watch. Delvin. Also a first watch. Jason. First watch for me too. It is a first watch for me as well. That makes it the watching rainbow. And we will go to Alan to, is it a rewatch? Multiple rewatches. Okay. <laughs> but I did the same as Jared and what's your name? Jason. Um, <laughs> I rewatched it. Where you changed it? <laughs> rewatched it. Rewatched it again a couple of days ago, and then rewatched it today. So, all right. Well, that's why Alan is here because he is the uncle expert. We have to ask our uncle, Uncle Alan, Uncle Tex. That could be your code name now. It could be Uncle Tex. Yeah, right. I just well, leave it alone. It's yeah. No, 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 I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with Uncle Tex. I'm trying. But by the way. I am not an uncle expert. There are much people out there who know way more about the man from uncle than I do, but I am a big fan of the show and am doing a lot of research around it. But there are a few people out there who are very much more experts about it. Hey, in I, the I, land I, of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> but I, I appreciate <laughs> you saying that. You are to me, Alan. So okay. if that gets you anything, but it probably doesn't. With that, let's go ahead and get to some high lows or what does. We will start with round one and Delvin, the dark web. You got a high, low, or what the for this? I'm actually glad you started with me because I will start with the what the and somebody smart like Alan or someone who rewatched it like Jared or Jason can answer it. Help me out with that ending. Okay, I got it. So you're talking about the very end where he's like, hey, you can deal. Let me know how you're going to deal with that. Because by the end of the show, like Alan said, there was four bad guys. Two of them were caught, the disgraced colonel and the scientist. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Crane. <laughs> which means which, which matches the chapter heading for that one. I was I, thinking, right? Two down, sure. two to go. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. there were still two left. Ooh. And so he's like, ah. let me know how you're going to handle that. Which Ooh. made Jason and I scratch our heads, question mark. And I think it's three or four episodes from now. That's it's killing my fun facts again. Yes, this was originally intended <laughs> as a two-parter. And, <laughs> and you, <laughs> get a, you, you may want to jump a part yeah. in episode seven. Okay, cool. You see, I, mean, I watched the show because I remembered that the part four was called Two Down, Two to Go. Just I did watch it. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. That was good. And so I'll just piggyback on that and say that organization, which if they gave it a name I did not catch, was a pretty crafty organization. I mean, they were uncle-esque because they clearly had a pretty solid, stable operation going on. And they did run the agents from uncle through the 
paces. And that's always good to have a very good counter foe. I like the, uh, the Colonel as well. He came across as very dangerous. So good arch villains always make for a good episode. Yeah, especially when you're sitting there just coolly cleaning this gun and doing all that. I'm like, oh, the guy is. Yeah, he kept saying like ominous stuff like, yeah, they need to meet their maker. And I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> are they going to do it? <laughs> I thought he did played a well role in what he was in being that kind of a guy that, you know, the strong arm, I guess, of that group. And it seemed like the other two people didn't really care about them anyway. They were just, you know, they're playing their little side game too, as evil conspiracy people do, you know, one against each other. It's, you know, just like in G.I. Joe, you got the Cobra Commander, and then you got Destro playing his old plot and all that going on. So, and don't don't worry, Delvin. I was kind of questioning him too. I'm like, well, is he telling me to go after them, or is he saying you can do it in the morning, or just figure out what you want to do and go on with that? I guess I was just thinking episodic, right? Mm -hmm. And open and shut like the first two were. So I was thinking that episode three was episodic as opposed to the continuation that it was. So Alan, Jared, really do appreciate that. I think that makes it interesting to see where this is going to go and want it to continue watching it. Mm -hmm. I find it really interesting that though they didn't do it literally the next episode. It's like three more episodes before it, they get around to the resolution of this one. So I thought that was an interesting choice. But We will have to see what happens. Yeah, that is interesting. All right. Well, Alan, since you were talking, go ahead and provide us a high-low or what the... Actually, first off, before I get into that, I'm going to tell Richard Dean Anderson story because Richard Anderson, he was at Wizard World Austin several years ago along with Lee Majors and Lindsay Wagner. They were doing a whole Bionics panel thing and they were there and I got talking to him and I actually asked him about this episode and how much I enjoyed him in this episode and him playing the bad guy. And he was so happy to talk about something other than the $6 million man that we spent a good 20 minutes just chatting about his time on this episode and how much fun he had playing the bad guy. And the whole thing of him playing with the gun was all improvised. Oh, interesting. But he, he did say he also felt an idiot. There's that scene where he runs around and they have the power of lights go out and he's just flicking buttons and things. And he just said he felt like an idiot doing that because it like had no bearing on the character or the plot or anything. It was just something to do in the scene. So yeah, he was a, he was a fun guy to talk to. And he was happy to talk about Uncle instead of the $6 million man, which he had been talking about all weekend. So nice guy. Much nicer than he appeared in this episode. Anyway, I got a couple of things I really like. I liked, again, the breaking the fourth wall intro that they did. I think this is the last episode where they do that, where they actually do that explanation of what Uncle is and who they are and their roles in Uncle. I thought that was pretty cool to see that again. I got to jump in because I really especially liked Waverly. Yeah. yeah, he was like, he kind of did the, oh, I didn't see you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he was done, he was like, let me get back to my switches and knobs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just got a kick out of it. I love him with, it's going slightly off track, but I love him with the computer later on when the guy gives him the computer card and he's clearly got no idea what to do with it. He's trying to shove it in the slot and it <laughs> won't go. You can see it flop. <laughs> yeah. Flop, flop into like the cartridge area, yeah, like yeah. an opening. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the first episode where we actually see the famous Uncle Gun in action, where the pistol becomes a rifle with a stock. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll do more about that when we get into some later episodes where it takes place more of a role, but it's got a whole history around that. For me, the big thing about this episode that I really loved was the various character moments. So I've got a, I'm doing a pat here. I've got a little list of the character moments I really, really liked. Solo flirting with Miss McNabb in the communications room. It was like so on point for that character. 
particularly when he sort of leant back in the chair to watch her at the filing cabinet. I love the, the interchange between David McCallum and Jill Island. We'll talk a bit more about that. That thing about when he said, she says, should I pay you a record? And he's like, you won't have anything I like. I think that was a reference to around this time, David McCallum was actually putting out records. He's a big music aficionado and composer and conductor. He put out several albums around this time of sort of his favorite music tracks and stuff like that. So I think that was a bit of a, a dig at that. But I also liked his whole thing of, you know, I'm a rock, pretend I'm not here, pretend I'm part of the furniture. And then when they're on the top of the mountain, he says it. And then when she snuggles into his back, he has that little smile, smile on his face. Yeah, smirky, it's like, uh... yeah, it's like, okay, I've got the girl. Yeah, I thought it was a cool moment. I love the fact that Napoleon covered up the fact that Ilya had been affected by the fear gas when he's talking to Waverly. On Waverly's like, is that an animal I can hear in the background? And he's like, yes, yeah, something like that. He's like, doesn't doesn't yeah. shop his mate that he's been affected by the fear gas. So obviously they talk about it later. And I actually also love the look on Napoleon's face when Ilya starts speaking Yugoslav to the bandit. It's mm -hmm. like, I didn't know you could do that. Look on his face. And again, another great character moment between the two of them. And then I actually loved Horth, the uh, Yugoslav bandit, when they're ordered to take the gas masks off and put them on the desk. He takes his off and throws it in the corner of the room. <laughs> it's like, suck <laughs> yeah. you guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, hand I we go find it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was awesome. Great character moment. So I love, for me, that's there's a real standout for this episode. The story was good, but it was just all these individual character moments really added up to me to make this uh, a really engaging episode. I'll shut up now. That was a long okay. list. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it sounds like all those rewatches really paid off and you really got some good detail out of all that. Uh, let's go ahead and see what Jason, what do you got high, low, or what the? I think I'll continue on the theme of the character development and give a high to Ilya. I think this is really kind of the first time we've got to see him yeah. do a lot. And he kind of took center stage for a lot of this show. And it got me thinking, you know, this show aired during the height of the Cold War. So it must have been a, a bit of a trick to have a Russian agent so popular on the show. But he's kind of a polar opposite to Napoleon, who kind of oozes charisma. Mm -hmm. He's kind of stoic, as Alan said, with his just pretend I'm part of the furniture. You're not going to have anything I like. But he still has that confidence, that swagger about him where he knows his business. To me, I really like that scene at the end where they kind of team up together, the two Napoleon and Ilya come together on that bridge and just double team that dude on the bridge. You see just how like in sync they are as quickly as they dispatch that guy and move on out. So. I don't know. I get the feeling that we're seeing something a little bit special here. Something that maybe we hadn't seen, except we had Chekhov on the Enterprise, but this is a central character who is just as capable as Napoleon Solo. So very interesting and a high for me. Definitely. I would agree with that. Um, this is our first time really getting a lot more of Ilya and his character. So I, I thought the same as well, too. Jared. What are your high, low, or what the? Yeah, you the guys covered one? everything, so I don't know the chocolates. Yeah, mm. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I will talk about the chocolates in a minute, but I also want to talk about the slon in the room, which is uh, Russian for elephant. I looked it up. I had to ask myself because it's just kind of a continuation of what Jason's saying. I agree with everything Jason said, but I had to ask myself. We watched two episodes with Napoleon Solo that I really like. I was like, am I going to like it when he's a Napoleon, you know, duo? Mm -hmm. and I was like, do I like it? Do I not like? Because at first. 
Yeah, I was like, okay, Ilya's cold fish. I kind of felt like they were kind of doing a Kirk Spock thing, like the charming ladies' man and the cold logical guy. And I was like, I don't know. Do I like it or not? And then so doubling back to what Alan said, thanks to all those character moments especially. Yeah, he definitely grew on me by the end of the episode, and I think I'm looking forward to more. I, I'm really glad that they weren't similar in personality, as that'd be not as much fun. So I'm really glad that they're different, but they're also on the same page. So, yeah, a very Kirk Spock vibe I get. And I'm looking forward to learning more about that. And having said that, I got to give my boy props. I got to give Kiriakin props because he did. Uh, it's going to come back to the chocolates. He gets the chocolates. He just unwraps the packaging, the cellophane, the lid. He checks everything. It still got him. I didn't get that either. It's like, how did he not see that? What Where, more I mean, can he and more importantly, Delvin, there was about, what, 40 chocolates in there, and one of them gassed out and got them all right. Were the mm-hmm. other 39 still edible? Is it I, they, they said there was one more. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. When they were, had to, they were in the Uncle HQ with the scientist guy, he said there was traces of gas in one more chocolate. So 38 of them were edible. Oh, man. Your <laughs> odds are good. <laughs> so, so, okay, so a quick go around. Which one do you think it was? If it's an assortment, you know how you get an assortment of chocolates. Which yeah. one do you think it was? Oh, probably of the flavors. I, I don't like that it when they do the citrusy get. one. So like probably like orange chocolate. I don't like orange chocolate. Yeah, Delta? yeah I was gonna. Yeah, probably one with the cherry in it. I wouldn't touch that. Yeah. <laughs> Alan, do you got a, a praline? It's got to be a praline. They're probably horrible. <laughs> Jason. Yeah, I'm with Alan. The praline. I'm going for that cherry one before I go for the praline. Yeah. You know y'all what? Are, I don't y'all mind. Are not, so hold, hold on, Pat. You have two Southerners on this. That's insulting. I just want to say that. in Tex, we call you Tex. You have to like pralines. I'm sorry, Pat. <laughs> I also like the cherry with the chocolate, Jason. <laughs> I don't mind the fruit filling ones a little bit. So you know what? It's the eater's choice, and it's always fun to kind of figure out what, who goes nougat. for what. Because what the nougat. hell is that anyway? <laughs> yeah, I don't really like the nougat. I'm not sure, but it tastes good in Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed with some nuts, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about candy no, I'm, from Uncle. I'm retitling yeah. this episode when I release it to the Candies We Hate episode. <laughs> <laughs> the candies you get from your uncle that you don't like. You know, it's always that jar, the glass jar that just sits there over for a long time, filled with different ones over the different seasons. Ugh. Anyway. Let's go ahead and get to round two, and we'll go back to Delvin to start us off with another high, lower what the. I didn't get to talk about Ilya, so I will. Like I, I was kind of worried. I I wish that he would have gotten a better beat to start off with, because first he came across as a little cold. I mean, to the point where I mean, it was almost like you know, don't think of me. I'm nothing but wallpaper. Yeah, do not think of me. I'm just the tile on the kitchen floor. Don't think of me. I'm, I'm just the dirt in the carpet that you don't pay any attention to. You just <laughs> rub your feet into it. And the plunger uh, oh, next to your toilet bowl. Okay. We get it, Ilya. Got it. And, and then every time we do that, he just wink. Like, so which one? You're sending me mixed signals, Ilya. Are, are you useful or are you like cold and unfeeling? I don't know. So there was that part of it. And then he immediately gets duped by the chocolate when the gas comes out. So that, those are his first two beats. Unfeeling and cold, possibly confusing, and then duped. Like, those are his first two beats. And I'm like, I'm supposed to like this guy? 
Because there's Robert Vaughn, who always seems to come across as very cool and indispensable in nearly every situation. And so very much like the Holmes Watson when every Watson after, which, which actor is it that everyone thinks is the bumbling oaf? Help me out. Nigel Bruce. Thank you. Every other Watson's like, I don't want to be that guy. That's what I was worried that Ilya was going to be. And it, it, it doesn't seem like he's that way. And I really actually appreciate it at the end when old girl, whose name I'm going to completely blank on, forgive me, you know, just like, can you please not be cold and unfeeling? I need a human being right now. I'm freaking scared. And he was like, okay, I will be a human being. And I'm like, okay, that's good. I totally relate to that. That felt like an actual human moment and a reason that I would like the character. So I'm looking for a little bit more from Ilya. He seemed mm-hmm. likable. He definitely seemed to mesh well uh, with uh, Robert Vaughn with Napoleon Solo. But I just want to see a little bit more from him. That's all. I didn't think he was bad, but I, mm-hmm. I wish that he had a more impressive debut. See, I thought when he kind of gave up on the chocolates, it to me felt like he was more interested in the girl you know, because he was starting to, you know, become the player. And he's like, yeah. well, let's see what music you're going to play, you know. The, you better change that record because it stopped. And then he goes over <laughs> there and stands up there so slyly and just like, hey, you know. Yeah, he was a little close, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, he closed the distance. I saw him yeah. do that little maneuver. I, saw, I picked up what you put down, yeah. Pat. I saw yeah. him. So maybe I thought maybe he was, was just. in Mexico, so. Yeah, yeah, she was like, oh, it's from one of the boys. I, go, I think his name was Eddie, and he's in Mexico. and. Ilya was like, yeah, that is good, you know, and Robert Vaughn would have been like, adios, Eddie. <laughs> Napoleon, a stoy a key. Oh, maybe we should start a player's count for Napoleon or for Ilya. Who's going to? I, I already super... know who I'm going yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Alan, do you got another high, low, or what the for this? I'm going to go with a couple of what this. I didn't like the fact that they ignored Milan Horth's death after the guy sacrificed himself. Yeah. And they I his, totally agree. They totally watched, agree. They watched his body being dragged out, and he was never mentioned again. Yeah, they were like, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do. Um, <laughs> Maybe it got buried underneath the whole yeah, base but, uh, exploding. Yeah. Or, and, That's yeah. fine, but at the end, they could have made some remark about yeah, she didn't sacrificing himself to get them out, or you know, we're going to honor his memory some way. But it was literally never mentioned again. It was like the character was just wiped out of the story once he died, which obviously he's, he can't contribute to the story. But you'd hope that they would at least mention him or say something. Or um, I was he, bummed that he died. I was really hoping he was going to be a reoccurring character. I and he him. died off panel. Yeah, I mean, off, off screen. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. You saw the beginning of the fight, and the next thing is like, okay, we're dragging his body out, and it's like, what? The yeah, dude know? was like, uh, he literally says it like, go ahead and bury this rat. You're like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He, what, he's de- oh, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. yeah. I thought he was just knocked out, you know, and like, but he was he was totally manhandling they those two guys. Too. Yeah, I know. Beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't I didn't like the way they ended his story. I didn't like the fact that he sacrifice was completely ignored. The other one is a bit of a continuity sharp eyed geek thing, plus that. So when the helicopter lands, the white helicopter lands, and Solo gets out, you can actually see that the, the passengers in the back is actually two shop mannequins, dummies. Ah, I missed it. So that was a bit of a sort of made me step out. Yeah. But the, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I believe that this white helicopter you see here 
It's the same one that was used by Pussy Galore in Goldfinger. Oh. James Bond reference, so we got one in. Right. <laughs> which it, which was then used again in the 2015 Man from Uncle movie. So I think this is the same helicopter that's actually used full circle from the TV show through Bond and then back into the Man from Uncle movie. Again, not 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, Interesting. I did notice the dummy when they threw that guy off the bridge. That was cool. Oh, yeah, that was so late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I got away. I know it's not my turn, but you mentioned him landing the helicopter. Jason and I both cracked up because they faked the plane. Yeah. The bad guys with the plane with the missile and they snuck in the helicopter. They walked literally six feet before they got cold busted. <laughs> Luckily, yes. it was by the good guy. But yeah. Jason and I were dying because it was like, it was, oh, we got the fake plane with the blow up. Yeah. How much in. did that cost? And they, yeah. they walked six <laughs> feet before somebody was like, hold it. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's yeah. not work at all. <laughs> Luckily, it was the good guy. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Jason. You got a high, low, what the for the second round? Well, I was going to go with the, the low, the death of the uh, Yugoslav guy. But uh, I think we talked about that. I'll go with a high on, I mentioned to Jared, just the amount of physical effort that the actors are putting into the scenes. Them hiking across that rough terrain. Mm -hmm. There's a couple scenes where it's clearly them and they're like sliding and slipping yeah. and really just the amount of physicality that it took you know there was another scene where they were pulling jill ireland up through the the vent and you could tell they're they're like pulling her up she's struggling to get up there he's pulling. <laughs> they didn't shortcut a lot of the physical acting in this and so I think that that made for a more realistic and slightly better product for it. Yeah, there was a lot of action and the scenery too. The locations was really cool looking to see. So I, I like that they kind of went a little bit different from the other places we've seen in the last two episodes. But let's talk about some of that action. My observation was on the boat, once he's caught, you know, come on. Guys, you know, can you just corner him? It's the boat doesn't seem that big from side to side, right? Actually, is it my turn to go in the rotation, Pat? And I was going to oh, talk about the okay. boat. Okay, go ahead, Jared. I won't talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It was like a cartoon. He'd try to go left, and there'd be a dude. He'd just like, hold his gun on him. Yeah, he'd hold the gun. And the guy's like, up, what are you going to do? Left, shoot me? Up. <laughs> it's like watching Pac Man on a boat in real life. Yeah, I agree. Did that? I had that as a low. Was the chase on the boat? And who was the guy who rescued them? Yeah, right. Was it the guy that dropped them off? I think so. But how did he know to be on that side of that boat at that particular moment, so they could jump? I don't know. Yeah, I kind of told myself he was kind of seeing what was going on and maneuvered the boat. Came back around. Okay, all right. I'll give you that one. But yeah, I thought the whole thing was very poorly choreographed as a fight compared to a lot of the action. It could have been a lot more high energy. There could have been actual fights and getaways. Yeah, and, it could have punched them or something. Yeah, which is where you were starting this whole thing with, Pat. Yeah, it, it was a weird feel to it. Yeah. He's on the roof. He's on the top. It's like, okay, well, then go get him. Yeah, overall, it was just weird. It could have been so much more. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was like, well, this, they. I guess they needed to drag it out a little bit. Well, I thought it was kind of neat. I'll defend it a little bit. It did drag out. I can't really defend that, but it was interesting because Gervais didn't want, she said, nobody shoot because they had all these people on the boat. True. She could not have yeah. a shootout on the boat. 
and he knew that. And so basically they're, they're like, well, what do I do? You know? <laughs> he's got a gun. He's not prohibited from shooting anybody. So he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and they're like, uh-uh. You know, so they're trying to maneuver around behind him. Yeah. And he's just using every, you know. Angel, yeah. yeah. It kind of reminded me of that first episode when he was getting chased around that scaffolding or whatever that was on the building. Kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, it went on too long, but I kind of understood what they were doing. I guess when you give it a little more detail that way, I can kind of understand that now, too, because she didn't want anybody to kind of understand what was happening. Because later on, she mentions, oh, we got four other people to come along or, you know, go into whatever scheme that they're working on. And so I, I guess I can understand that. And Jer- another thing about that, Jason and I both were talking today about, like he gets on the boat as the fire marshal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you like cool 007 style changes his tuxedo. And we were both like, you know, you probably would have gotten a lot farther under the cover of a fire marshal. No one would have asked you a lot of questions. You would have access to all kinds of yeah. <laughs> like checking the rooms. You yeah. probably would have got a lot more <laughs> deeper into this as the fire marshal. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't have been able to see Robert Vaughn in a nice suit. In a tux. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the whole point of it. <laughs> think, Jared. Think. <laughs> you shot that guy with mercy bullets, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was the point. I, I don't know whether you guys picked up, but actually, Uncle does not fire real bullets, although Uncle Guns fire mercy tranquilizer bullets. So, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> That's what he told the girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he'll wake up with a headache. Yeah. Oh, I'm really dying here. It hit me right in the stomach. It's a slow death. <laughs> don't listen to him. He's lying. Well, over on our other Logbox Crusade, we're always joking when the Punisher shows up in Spider-Man because he's always like, don't worry, Spider-Man. I switched to Mercy Bullets, so they'll be okay. We're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> More like Mercy Bullets. Very good, Tommy. Very good. Oh, Jared, do you have an, any high-low or would... No, I've, I've enjoyed boat? chatting with you about the boat thing. I, I was going to do that. I mean, if I was going to go one more high, I'm probably not supposed to do this in 2022. But let's be honest, all the ladies on that show are just gorgeous. Jill Ireland's a knockout. The lady at Uncle Headquarters that he was working with was a knockout. The what what did she call the Gervais was like what did she call her a cat like or kittenish? It, it, it yeah, like, like oh, but they you like the feline type. So well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. but they're just all very pretty and all in very different ways and. I know I'm not supposed to mention that 2022, but I thought it was, uh, yeah, it was nice. You know, they definitely have very beautiful women that are acting in these shows. So, all right. Well, with that, does anybody have any other thing that we didn't discuss that you really want to get out? I'm just going to say one thing about the Kirk Spock analogy. Don't okay. forget, this is two years before Star Trek. So Fair enough. And talking of those two guys, just keep your eyes peeled for future episodes. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Thanks for putting that in context. Oh, very, very nice. Yeah, no, that's that's legit because like I've been watching Peter Guns and I've been thinking, oh, Peter's pulling a Sean Connery here, and I have to remind myself these Peter Guns came out like three or four years before Connery played Bond. So yeah, good context. Good context. Definitely. All right. Well, with the talk about this episode out of the way, let's go ahead and get to some fun facts from Agent Allen and see what he has left to tell us. 
Okay, well, since Jared spoiled most of them, but I'm going to say read them out anyway. As we mentioned earlier, this was originally planned as a two-parter. This was originally planned as a two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll stop. I'm not going to keep that bit going. I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> so the idea was they were actually going to film some additional scenes and then release it as the two parts combined and the additional scenes as a movie, which ah. is what they did with a lot of the Uncle movies. There's eight Man from Uncle movies, and they are mainly two-part episodes plus additional material put together in a movie. And this was going to be one of those, but they ditched that idea and it was split into two episodes this one and episode seven as we talked about earlier i hate to do this but i do have a question maybe alan can answer because there was one part in the show where it looked like the bad guys were going to have a dialogue and it just cut away suddenly was was there a piece that was cut out of that i don't know but i know the piece you mean i don't know whether that was planned one of the additional scenes that was planned for the movie release and they didn't film it and it was in the script i don't know but yeah you're right there is one scene where you get a snippet of dialogue a conversation between the bad guys and then it cuts yeah just it really looked like they were about to hash it out over something yeah. And then it cut away. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, when he goes into like, the closet or when he opens well, up the door. Yeah, he opens the door. The door yeah. And, and you think he might be watching them, but he's not. It's like yeah. half a second. Yeah. Away, and then he goes, yeah. oh, my mistake. Like he walked into two people like making out. Yeah. Or yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they put that weird. I, it was weird. Yeah, it's a weird cut. Yeah. Sorry. Don't know, Jason. Okay. Carry on. I just had to get that out there. Okay. So we mentioned Jill Island and her Charles Brosnan relationship earlier on. Thank you, Jared. So actually, at this point, Jill Island was married to David McCallum, Ilya Koryakin, what? which is why, why they could be so close on screen. Mm. And she will actually appear in a few more Uncle stories. Marion Raven was originally going to be a recurring character, but she appears in a few more Uncle episodes as different characters. Uh, Jill Island plays different characters going forward. They met on the set of a movie called Hell Drivers, does anybody know what's special about Hell Drivers, Jared? I do, I do. Pick I me, do, pick me. I, do, I got it. It's a very early appearance of Sean Connery. He plays a minor role in that in that film, and I only found out it because of you, Alan. And I watched it because you recommended it on one of the older OHMS Pod podcasts you did with Van. Yeah. So there's another one, another Bond connection. Another Bond connection. Yeah. Awesome. And in 1967, Jill Island would leave David McCallum for his best friend, one Mister Chuck Brosnan. And they would remain married until she passed away in 1990, and they made 16 movies together. I knew it was a lot. I didn't know it was 16. Yeah. Now, the facts, this blew my mind. The writer, Alan Callio, was, in fact, a former World War II British intelligence officer. So he was a spy. Much like Mr. Ian Fleming. Yeah, his real name is Alan Lyle Smythe. Awesome British name. (laughs) <laughs> I do like that. And he was known for operating behind enemy lines and at one point was actually caught by the Gestapo and almost executed by firing squad Ooh. and escaped. And Ooh. he did actually work with the resistance in Yugoslavia. So actually makes this episode a bit more realistic because the writer actually did work with the Yugoslav resistance in World War II and knew the Yugoslav bandits, which is pretty cool. And as well, as he wrote for a lot of TV shows in the 60s and 70s and he actually acted in a lot of them too. He's not in this one. But he has actually more than 80 acting credits. He would basically turn up as a bit character in a lot of the episodes for other shows, like The Six Million Dollar Man and a bunch of other things that he wrote scripts for. Oh, awesome. And talking of daring deeds, the Dutch actor, John Van Drielen, who played Harold Bufferton, 
reportedly escaped from a concentration camp in occupied Holland when he was a young man by disguising himself as a German officer and then spent his career in Hollywood basically playing German officers in war movies. <laughs> you got a gift? You got yeah. a gear you yeah. like to work in? <laughs> yeah, so he, got, he, hit, he found that niche. So I thought that was pretty cool that these actors, <laughs> these the writers and actors have all got these back because you know interesting backstories, yeah. Interesting backstories. Twenty years on from the twenty years on from the, the end of World War Two. So you know a lot of these guys were actually involved in in action during that time. So uh, I thought that that was pretty cool that these guys have all these backstories and it really I think added to the episode knowing that. So that was the fun facts for this episode. All right. Well, thank you, Alan, for those fun facts. Very interesting. And I like it. Uh, I like the really the connection between Uncle and, and Bond. It's fascinating to me. So I'm glad you are bringing these awesome fun facts. Yeah, it's more than just the Ian Fleming connection. There's a lot of crossover and yeah. connections there. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into a rating on Rogue Agents, we have a rating system here. It's a one through seven. Seven is you loved it. It shook your martini. Six, excellent. Five, very good. Four, it's good. Three, just okay. Two, not okay. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini. Let's go ahead and start with Jarrett. How are you going to rate this? How many drinks? Six. I'm going to give it six martinis. I was at the beginning of the episode, it's kind of more like a five. I wasn't sure if I was going to like the addition of Ilya grew mm-hmm. on me. Six. Yeah. With a potential for a seven is this relationship. Because that's what makes Star Trek great. Kirk, Spock, McCoy relationship. I feel like we've got the pieces and parts. Starting to get A couple together. years early. As Alan pointed out, we haven't even got Star Trek yet. But you see what I'm saying? Like the pieces mm-hmm. and parts of good character is there. So I'm really feeling a good solid six and I feel good about it. I will join you feeling good about it with a solid six as well. I thought it was a very entertaining. It kept me wanting to watch this to see where it goes. I, I think it's just the good combination of action and character moments in here that kept me watching it. Delvin. I'm good with six also. I continue to be entertained by a man from uncle. I continue to be impressed that these are very intelligent shows and really good Heroes and villains are relays mm-hmm. to look at, too. Awesome. Alan. I'm going to break the streak. I'm going with a five on this one. A couple of reasons. One, and maybe this is just knowledge, but Ilya's not fully formed yet. It's a very early, as you said, earlier Ilya. I don't think it's quite a fair representation of where he ends up yet. So uh, as Delvin quite rightly said, his first two story beats were a bit weak. I thought also didn't like, as I said, the sort of casual loss of the ally and it not being acknowledged there was a couple of things story-wise that didn't fall out for me uh, the other thing about this one is when you said what the episode title was when we were you know planning i didn't immediately recall what the story was most of these like if you give me the title of the episode i can mm-hmm. immediately recall what the story is this one i couldn't it was only like the first moments when it started i'm like oh okay it's this one um, but I didn't get it from the title. It did, so it obviously didn't stick in my mind as much as some of the other episodes, the, the two we've already done, which are really strong, and a couple of the others to come. So I think there's more to come. So, But I did enjoy it. It's still very good, very strong, but I think not in my absolute top echelon of Uncle Stories. So I'm giving it a five. You know, yeah, I understand. I think there's a, there's a difference between us who haven't seen it and you who has. So you're baseline is set maybe a little bit lower yeah, yeah, than yeah. what ours are, which is yeah. good. 
it's good to have that difference and it's good to know that there's some other but, uh, you know it's not like a wild layoff or anything you know I yeah. Just, yeah yeah you probably didn't recognize the title because it's a lie since we know this takes two episodes it's got to be the octopartite <laughs> the joke was good in my head i i apologize Jason. It's two episodes with the four. We got it. Yes, yeah. We got it. We got it. Yeah. Jerry's joke gets a two. This episode gets a five. (laughs) (laughs) I feel I I appreciate that too. I do. uh, do. You're you're welcome. I'm feeling generous. It's Christmas, Jared. It's time for miracles. But but a two is not so good. (laughs) But it's not a one. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay. But no, I'm glad, Alan, I'm glad you went ahead of me and gave it a five. I thought I was going to be the boat anchor here because while there is a lot that I did like, it really bothered me the way the Yugoslav gentleman died and was not acknowledged. The editing was rough in some parts. There are some cuts that left me scratching my head. You know, even Delvin kind of summed it up at the beginning, like, can you explain this ending? And it took me two watches to kind of figure out, oh, okay, this is what's going on so yeah some room for improvement we'll say but still very entertaining lots to like in the episode so five for me all right well i do appreciate you being honest and and pulling it out there i think there is a lot that we are going to get into so i'm looking forward to it and that's the show as a reminder to our audience If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page at ohmspod. If you like, you can even use the email as a reminder that's ohmspod at outlook.com to send us an audio recording of your question or comment. And we might even play it on the show. And we would love to hear from you and make you part of the show. Also, if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcast Listener or any podcast listening device that you listen to, please, we would greatly appreciate it you leaving a review on the show. It helps raise the profile of the show to get other 007 family involved in listening and all this we want to do is just spread the love of bond so help us do that by liking subscribing and telling other people about it about this show and as a reward for leaving a review we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of mi6 rogue agents i want to thank my co-host alan for joining us thank you text for being here and join joining me on this Uncle Crusade, I guess we have going on here. My pleasure, Pat, as always. And before we go, let's go ahead and find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. And we'll start with Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Jared? I am at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Arts. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, which does now include book page sketch prints of both Napoleon and Ilya, if that's your thing. And those are very cool to look at. I've seen them. Go out there and get them. You can find me on the Twitter. I'm at Christatos01. Delvin? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on Twitter at DE underscore RAY1977. And Alan, where can the listeners find you? 
For James Bond stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon and on Instagram at James Bond Lexicon. And also there is our James Bond Lexicon.online website, which is a companion for our James Bond Lexicon book. And for uncle specific stuff, I actually have a uncle Lexicon Twitter account. Nice. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from us, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Jared, where can that be found? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you don't have the script up. You're at living. The Longbox Crusade can be found in lots of different places. You can get us on... Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pretty much all your podcatchers. And if you want to chat with us, just hit up at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. But, you know, grab a podcatcher, type in Longbox Crusade. We'll be there. Good job, Jared. I believe in you. (laughs) And that's what we call going rogue. (laughs) Off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, fellas, for taking on yet another dangerous mission. Thanks for our listeners who have tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment on this or any of our other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Alan's Choice. But before we figure out what that is... On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast will return. Well, hopefully it returns after we figure out what that is. Yeah. This episode features the James Bond GoldenEye 007 Trap Remix by The Whiddler. I will say, though, for Bondian things, because (laughs) traveling over this Christmas holiday season was what the French call les and it was just a, oh, it was a nightmare, and my bag, when it finally got to me, like two or three days before it was time for me to leave, it looked in worse condition than that cello case the T-Doll slid down and <laughs> living daylights, man. It is looking rough. So, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of scars over this uh, holiday season, but my bag sure does. Would you say things got a little bit nasty? Oh, something got nasty all over that bag, yes. <laughs> <laughs> David McCollum as Ilya Kakurin. Kuryakin. I didn't know how to pronounce that either, so. I only knew how to pronounce it for hanging out with Alan a lot.
Kuriakin, Kuriakin, Kuriakin. It always sounds like something I'd order at like the the Korean chicken place. <laughs> I'll get two orders of Kuriakin. <laughs> you want the white or the fried rice? <laughs> yeah, extra spicy on my Kuriakin. I'll take the no. dark meat. <laughs> I will I, say it did give us that moment where Jared and I both looked and said, surprise, and I'm not a fireman. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say I might have that out, but I, I, I both said, surprise, <laughs> joking, not really a fireman. And like I'm pretty I say, sure the guy, he probably escaped fire squad by saying, my doctor says I can't have bullets enter my body at any yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> you see, if there's two Stain episodes and, and each has four parts, it's eight. <laughs> and it's, you get the oct- oct- I, I'm I'm just happy I can say the word. So if you're trying to explain what it means. Octopartite. But it's yeah. two, but it's two episodes dealing with four characters. People? So is it duo? Jason's on board. Yeah, I like where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Real have to work tomorrow. I just don't want to hear this. <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> <laughs>